about the unseen things about and and in that talking about faith. And I thought this week, like, hey, it'd be cool to do hope and then love too, but that didn't happen. Um, <laughs> but as I was reading, and um, oh, I want to thank everybody too today that helped move that refrigerator. Everybody that showed up to help, I just want to thank everybody. Those that didn't, you know. <laughs> no. Um, the Speedies are going to be here. They, they may be here now. So, um, you know, you guys just be praying for them. They're going to be settling in also. So, um, But as I was reading this week, this scripture came to my, um, just, just came up. And, and I don't know, you know, I started thinking about unseen things. And I started thinking about freedom because it's a hot topic right now. Freedom is a hot topic. It, it, one side is threatening that the other side is going to take our freedom away. And then this side says, well, this side's already taken our freedom away. And so if you guys want, you can open up to John 8. Um, we're going to start in verse 31. If you don't, that's okay. Um, we're going to read it. But it just, it's been really heavy on me because, man, I think we just miss it. You know, Jeff and I have talked about this before and some others that, that have experienced it. But, like, understanding freedom becomes so much easier when you first know what bondage really is. When you've been behind locked doors, man, you understand it. You understand it. You cherish it. Um, So it starts right here in verse 31. Uh, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And they answered him, We are offspring of Abraham. We've never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you'll become free? And Jesus answered them, Truly I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Man, I was thinking about that because, you know, here's, the, here's the, these Jews and like how offensive that must have been to them. But you know what? It's just a lie. They weren't free. They were living under Rome. And I know, you know, we can get into the well, they're, they're free under Rome, but they're not free in their Jewish rights. They're not free men. They're living under bondage. They were so proud of their freedom. They were so proud of that. And it just reminded me of us today. It reminded me of us contemporarily today here in America, how proud we are of our freedom. But, you know, Jesus, of course, wasn't talking about what we can see. He's talking about the unseen thing here. And so, you know, Jesus is always going deeper than the physical to the innermost parts of our hearts. He's always, I think Pastor Chris even said this last week, that even everything miraculous that's happening, there's something deeper going on. There's a physical thing, but there's something so much deeper happening than that physical thing. It's always deeper than that. It's always unseen. That's where the work is really happening. Even the warfare, right? Colton talks about warfare. It's always the unseen things. This is where this is where the, the warfare is being waged. So there's a visible freedom. We have it. We we live in it. We're doing it right now. We're doing something that our brothers and sisters all over the world don't have the right to do because we're free. We're free men. We're free women. But there's an unseen freedom, too. And this is what I really want to talk about today. I want to talk about the unseen thing. 
So whenever Jesus says in verse 36, who the Son sets free, uh, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. There's actually two words used here. There's two words that he uses here for free. And I'm going to butcher these for you guys. Uh, the first one is eleutero. Thero. Uh, this is a verb, and it's describing the act of freeing a person. It, it's taking the chains off of somebody. You're physically letting them out of a prison. But the second one, the suffix is eros, which is the state of being free. It's, it's not just a state of being free, though. It's being made to be like a citizen. So what Jesus is saying is if I take the chains off of you, I'm not just releasing you from bondage. I'm giving you a right to inherit the kingdom of God with me. I am making you a citizen of heaven. It's an unseen thing. It's something we don't, you know, we get the bondage part because it's so easy because it's, it's sometimes it's a physical oppression. We can feel it. And when he breaks that chain, we're free. But it's that, it's that accepting that we are citizens of the most high God's kingdom. We are his, we're his, we're fellow heirs with Christ. Yeah. And so there's, you know, I think that there's a couple things here that, that I'd like to talk about. Um, I don't have three points. I'm terrible at that kind of stuff. And this may, none of this may make sense when I'm done, but, um, but here we go. So in Romans seven, eight, it says apart from the law, sin lies dead, Right. Apart from the law, sin lies dead. And we know as we read through that section of Romans, it gets really, I think a lot of people wrestle with it. Jeff and I have talked about this a lot. Christian and I have talked about this. And, but really, I mean, what we can glean from that is sin, is sin can't be known without somebody saying, hey, this is wrong. The, the knowledge of good and evil, the law highlights those things in us. Um, later on in verse 14, it says, we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. I'm in bondage to, to sin. I'm in bondage to sin. And that, of course, is what Jesus is talking about here. It's not a physical freeing. It's, it's a bondage to, to my flesh, to my sin. And there's a point in our life where we have to accept that, where we have to accept that I'm not free. I may live in the freest nation in the world, but there's something holding me. There's something deeper. There's something unseen that holds me from freedom. And that moment, that moment is what highlights the need for a savior. That moment is the moment that we realize, like, like Ruth, when she's, in the, when she's in the field and she's gleaning, what does she need? What does she need? She's a destitute woman. She needs something. She needs a redeemer. She needs to be redeemed. And we're in the same position here, right? In our sin, we're, we need to be redeemed. And this is what illuminates Christ. And in 1 Corinthians um, chapter 6, verse 20, and chapter 7, 23, it says, the, it says the same thing. It says you were bought with a price. You were redeemed. You have been redeemed by Christ. So the sacrifice that Jesus makes on this cross, Jesus is hanging on this cross. In, in, in John nineteen thirty, what does he say? It's finished. It is finished. The price is paid. The price is paid. There's nothing more that you can do, that I can do. The, the organized religion, that our government, there's nothing else that can be done that can ever further pay that price. It is finished. It is finished. And, and I think that this is, this is important because it's easy to say, the, it's easy to talk about the finished work. It's harder to talk about it without adding a but on the end of it. 
right? Like it's harder to talk about the finished work of Christ without saying, yeah, but, because there's this angst in us. There's this angst in us. Something's missing. Something's missing in the finished work of Christ. And it's because we've been so, we've been so taught that something's missing. We've been so taught that, that we need to do something. I need to do something. I've got to do something. This is Texas. We work for what we, what we want. You work hard. This is America. It's the American dream, right? Um, some of you guys met him a couple weeks ago, but Atul, he and I, when we were in Baltimore, we're sitting down at this really rough-looking restaurant um, eating lunch. And we're talking about the, the, the prison walls that we all live in. And it's a white picket fence. That's our American prison walls. Yeah. I've been taught that I need to do something. If I want something, I need to do something to get it. And so, and so it, it makes it hard to just listen to Jesus say it's finished and say, okay, it's finished. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. You're a citizen of the most high God's kingdom. There's nothing you can do to earn this. There's nothing you can do to add to it. Or take away from it. It is finished. To all those who receive Christ. Right? They're given the right. It's not about, you know, we we want it to be about sin. We want it to be about how good we are or how bad we are. It's not, and you know, I didn't understand this. I think just over the last couple years, and Chris has really helped me. So if it's wrong, it's his fault. Um, (laughs) Just threw him right under the bus. No, but, you know, that, that if I still think that sin is what keeps me from, from Christ, I'm missing it. Yeah. I'm missing it. It's the rejection or the acceptance of Christ that makes, me, that makes me worth coming to him. Do I receive him? Do I accept him? All those who confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in their heart that God rose him from the dead will be saved. Yeah. Not those who are good enough. And I think the, you know, the, the problem here comes in because we presume that, and, and again, we've talked about this here before, but we presume that if we talk like this, it gives people freedom to sin. And it never does. And if the person, and if somebody takes this, if somebody takes the, the, the gospel and they say, man, I could do whatever I want, right? Paul knew people would. He knew people would use that. That's why he wrote what he wrote in the, in, to the Romans. If they're taking that, then they're missing the gospel. They're missing it. They're, you know, you can be, um, some of you guys, Bud's not here. Um, in avionics, right, is the same way in, in surveying. If you're one degree off, okay, one degree off, one degree is not much. One degree off, if you walk a thousand foot, you'll be a hundred foot off. And some people get the gospel just one degree off. And they miss this. And so, Galatians 5.13 and 1 Peter 2.16 both say the same thing. They both say that you're free, only don't use your freedom as an excuse for sin. Or what Peter says, don't use it to cover up your sins. They knew that people would do that, but that's not what this gives us permission to do. As a matter of fact, Scripture tells us that, that we're dead to the law of sin and death. But we're alive and we become slaves to Christ. We become slaves to God. It's a freedom that, that, that exists within a paradox. Yeah. I'm free and I'm a slave. Yeah. Right? Paul calls himself so many times, he calls himself a servant. Yeah. Uh, Tozer says this in, in, in one of his books. He says that, that in America we understand that absolute freedom is a, is, a, is a false imagination. We surrender certain freedoms so that everybody is free. 
And, and it's not to say that, that Christ's freedom isn't absolute, it is, but it's, it's just acknowledging that we don't have the right to just do whatever the heck we want to do. There's limits to it. Not in, not in a legalistic way, but in a way of saying, I'm, I'm pursuing Christ, I'm being transformed. These are not the things that I'm pursuing anymore. Again, I'm not, I'm, I'm repenting, I'm changing my mind, I'm following God, I'm turning away from, from the nature that, that, that caused these things. Right? Not, not the individual things. This is something I wrestled with for a long time is I need to repent from this sin and this sin and this sin and this sin and this sin. And you know what I did? I repented all day long and I never found the end of my sin. But whenever I've read the scripture and it says repent and turn to God, my mind started to think differently about it. Not turning away from something. I'm turning to something better. I could spend all day looking back at all this junk. Or I could look at the one, the one who said it is finished and created the freedom that I now have. And then on the flip side of, of giving people a right to, to sin, I think some have used this or, or because, you know, some people have used that, we, we, we turn to legalism. We turn to legalism. And then what do we do? We bring right back into bondage people that have been set free in Christ. We bring them right back into bondage. We say, and you know, you know what I love is, I heard somebody say this today. You know, Jesus never shied away from the issues. He sure did it. But wh- who is he dealing with when he's dealing with the issues? He's not dealing with the, with, with the broken in the streets. No. He's dealing with the religious at the top. But yet we take the law and we take it to the broken in the streets as if they can earn something. As if, as if they're going to say, yeah, man, I'm just going to be really good. I'm just going to change my mind. I'm not going to be a crackhead anymore. And I'm just going to go to church and be perfect. It can't be. That's not what Jesus was dealing with. When Jesus is dealing with the issues, he's dealing with the issues with the people that are oppressing the broken. That's what he's dealing with. He's not dealing with the woman who comes in and she's crying and she's she's wiping his feet with her tears. What he says to the Pharisee who's thinking all these thoughts. Man, if you only knew. If you only knew who she was. And Jesus did know. Yeah. You know, he underestimated who Christ was. And you know what she walked away with? She walked away with freedom. That's right. She yeah. walked away with freedom because, and, and, when, and when we preach that, when we preach Christ as, as, as true freedom, I think people that receive the gospel, they don't walk away with it thinking, all right, I got a free pass. Yeah. I got away. I, di- I didn't get that DWI. I didn't yeah. get that ticket. I'm, 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 I'm good. Yeah. But people that truly respond to the gospel, that's not how they respond, right? And Jesus tells the parable, in that same story, he says there's two men that owe a debt. One is 50 and one is 500. Both debts are forgiven. Who's, who's more grateful? And, and so I think, you know, we, we can use this and we can drag people back into legalism. But look at, um, I'm actually going to go to this real quick. James chapter 1. And I'm going to read a few verses here just to give the context of what he's talking about. But he's, he's, he's talking about hearing and doing the word. And so I'm going to start in chapter 1, verse 22. He says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and he goes away and at once he forgets what he was like. And then this, this is what I really want to focus on. In verse 25, he says this, but the one who looks into the perfect law, the perfect law, and listen to this, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. You ever heard anybody say that once you teach something, 
it becomes so much deeper rooted in you. Yeah. That, yeah. That's, that's, that whenever I read this, that's what I think about. Like, right, we could sit around, we could talk about this stuff all day, but until we go, until we actually start being doers of the word and not just, not just hearers only, it's, it's, it's just we're forgetful. Yeah. But whenever we start walking in the gospel, whenever we start walking in the freedom we have in Christ, in these unseen things, the warfare that we're fighting, we're walking in it. Yeah. Be- why? Because we're free, because we're citizens. We're no longer slaves. The slave doesn't stay in the house, but the son stays in the house forever. Christ is not legalistic, nor does he give freedom to our flesh. This is what scripture says, Romans 6, 6. He takes our sin nature and he puts it to death. And there's, you know, we, we could talk about four or five other scriptures about crucifying our flesh. Jesus takes our sin nature and he puts it to death. And then he gives us a new mind, Romans 12, 2. Be transformed by the renewing in your mind. Renewal, renewing of your mind. 2 Corinthians 3, 18, we're being transformed in his image. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Acts 3, 19, repent, turn to God, so that the time of refreshing may come. Oh, Lord Jesus. We're not. Yeah. You know, we can get so easily trapped in this, like, man, I need to do better. I need to be better. I need to... And we can become like these men in John 8. I am free. And yet I'm a slave to my flesh. I'm a slave to my bondage. Not, not, not in a sense of like I'm not saved, but in a sense of I'm still stuck in this place of trying to earn something. I'm still stuck in this place where, man, if I could just, man, if I could just get a house, if I could just get a better job and make more money, if I could do enough missions or enough ministry, if I could... If I could attain to some position, some degree, I'll be good enough. What Jesus, what did Jesus say? If I set you free, if I set you free, you are free indeed. If I take the chains off of you, if I break the chains, you are a citizen of heaven. It is finished. And whenever we think about, whenever we think about the unseen things, Whenever we think about the faith and what we talked about last week, not in a quantity, but in a measure of how short-sighted or long-sighted we can be with our faith. Whenever we talk about freedom, whenever we talk about love, these unseen things, this is the power of the gospel. It's not in the things we see. We can get so wrapped up in, man, God blessed me or didn't bless me. And then, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm in trouble and I've done something and there's some sin in my life and that's why God is attacking me and... We're talking to a guy in um, Baltimore. He said God threw him down the stairs one time. Um, He had it coming. coming. But we can get wrapped up in these thoughts of like, I deserve punishment. I deserve punishment. You know what? We certainly do. We certainly do. We deserve it. We deserve to be on the cross, not him. We deserve to be tortured, not him. But praise God that we have a Savior who would be Boaz to us, right? That would come in and, and, yeah. and, and redeem us, redeem us. Good word. Boaz. from the law of yeah. sin and death. We are redeemed. It is finished. It is done. There's nothing more we can ever do. I cannot drive this home enough. We have to receive what he did for us. We have to receive that because we're citizens. Not of, not of America. I and mean, we can get so wrapped up in our politics. We're citizens of heaven. Mm-hmm. Fellow heirs with Christ. Amen? Amen. God, that's all I got. Um, <laughs> thank you for your word. Thank you for... Thank you for... Um, 
Thank you for finishing it. Thank you for, for requiring nothing from me that I say I believe you. I believe that you are who you say you are. I believe and I confess that you rose from the dead. I believe and I confess that you went to be seated at the right hand of God, that you're coming back again, God. That like the first church will focus on this. We'll focus more on the cross than we do about being a better businessman. We'll focus more on the cross than we will about being a better husband. We'll focus more on the spiritual things and less on the pragmatic things, God, because we know that if, if we put our eyes on you, everything else falls into place. God, that you go before us, that you are our victory, that you are the, the, the conqueror. God, we thank you, we praise you, we love you. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.